Hi, so your name is Moshe Khandaran, if I'm right. That is correct. Uh, just as a very, uh, very uh, big introduction here, you said that you had six or seven major life threatening diseases. I mean, you have to count, and it's usually a lot. That's <laughs> I think it's six, maybe six, seven. Six or seven, yes, that's a lot. Do you want to run us through it? That's actually a good question. How many was it? One of them technically wasn't. Um, so the six were, I mean, I was born with a hyperplastic left heart. So what does that mean? So the, there we go. See, these are the questions <laughs> you want to ask. So high, uh yeah, hypoplastic left heart, or hypoplastic left heart, actually, as it's actually called, is when your your left atrium, get very technical now, when your left atrium, you know what your atriums are? Yeah, right. I think so. So you, you side, your chambers of your heart, so your left side and your right side. So, when, so my left side didn't work, and it was smaller than my right side when I was born. Um, and that led to... Um, lots of different problems but at first they decided to try and replumb the right side of my heart so that they so that I didn't have to have a heart transplant there was a four stage operation called the Norwood treatment um, they got to stage one they did that at four days old they did stage two at four months old but at the age of two I had a heart attack I was in heart failure for 13 months the age of three, I uh, had a heart transplant. Um, so, heart failure is when your obviously your heart's not actually working, which means your skin is more blue than than pale or white. Mate, you said for thirteen months. Thirteen months, my mother and father would walk it or creep into my room in the morning, not sure whether or not I was alive. Wow, but what? Wait, let's go. That's incredibly sad but let's go back you said your heart wasn't beating for 13 months no so it was beating irregularly for 13 months so sometimes it would work and sometimes it would just stop but the period lasted 13 months oh okay I suppose attached that would help and it wasn't um not actually sure I don't think so I think they just so what happened now did did you manage to get through it what happened well then I had a heart attack at the age of two uh, yeah, so I was in half. So then, so then I got put on the transplant list when they realised that they couldn't actually um, keep my heart going, and I had a they had a heart for me three weeks later, which is shocking because usually it takes years to find organs, uh, but it was only three weeks, which is very lucky for me. Um, but then. Uh, yeah, so I had a heart transplant at three. It was Shabbos, Shabbos day. I just washed, according to mum and dad, just washed, sat down at the Shabbos table for some challah, and the phone rings, pick it up, um, Great Ormond Street Hospital, I have a heart for you, we're sending an ambulance. So we get in the ambulance, go to Manchester Airport, get a private jet down to Heathrow, and get an ambulance from Heathrow to Great Ormond Street where they did the heart transplant itself. Uh, yeah, and then, mm. and then, well, then I went on to um, anti-rejection drugs to stop my immune system from rejecting my heart, which obviously I, I needed. So yeah.
and then I was how old were you? Four then? I was I was three at the time. Three and then what happened? And then you were a kid for the next couple of years? And then I was a kid for the next year or two. At age of four or five, not entirely sure. I had some breathing problems. Uh, was that due to the heart as well? Yeah, kind of. And I had some breathing problems during the heart failure because because the heart wasn't working. My the rest of my body wasn't working, so my liquid, rather than going to my stomach, was filling up my lungs. So I was uh, drowning myself by drinking water. So that was fun. Um, but and I had some breathing problems after after the heart transplant. Um, when the immune system decided to attack my lungs for a different reason. Um, yeah, so the, the anti-rejection drugs, they're su- immunosuppressants rather than complete destroyers, so to speak. So they suppress the immune system rather than get rid of it, which means the immune system is still there. So every now and then, um, it'll lash out, so to speak, um, and it'll hit something. So I've had it over a co- couple of couple of times over the over 20, uh, 18 years now. Wow, that's a lot. Um, so yeah, the first one was the breathing, and then at the age of six, um, they attacked my platelets. You know what platelets are? No. You know, you know what platelets mm-hmm. are? Didn't go to science class. <laughs> Dropped out. Yeah. Not quite. Not quite. The, the, I mean, it technically isn't. Right. So platelets are what um, cause your blood to clot, stop you from bleeding out. Kind of useful parts of the body. Yeah. Um, so my immune system attacked my platelets, and a person's platelets is between 150 to 300,000 or so. Um, that's a regular range and dropping a bit below that isn't really that bad but you should probably go to a doctor to see but uh mine dropped all the way to zero what yeah so how did your body survive with zero platelets whatever um, they're called they didn't i started bleeding from whatever from my mouth my gums what, uh, like nose. within a couple of days or at the same time yeah within a couple of days and it was wrong as as they lost platelets, so um, there's lots of shabbos. Dad started panicking. Um, he went to pull me out of bed, and he pulled his hand away from my arm, and there was a bruise in the shape of his hand on my arm. He started panicking a tad bit more, and uh, we ended up in a Pendlebury Hospital at the time. And this was Saturday night, lots of shabbos, twins. There you are. Um, uh, most doctors uh, and most hospitals are kind of closed around Saturday night um, but the doctor came to me at like 3 in the morning 4 in the morning and my mum said she woke about 5-ish with the doctor's torch pen torch um, shining in her eyes while he was looking at, looking at me at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning which is quite rare um, so yeah so that so it turned out to be um, ITP, Immunothrombocytopenic Propura. <laughs> I, I, I did try my best there, <laughs> um, but um, it was it, it was a recurring ITP, which is a bit of a bit of a problem. So over three years, I had it quite a few times. Um, so I was in and out of hospital, which means I was in and out of school, um, mainly in hospital, a bit less in school. Um, eventually they gave me a drug dose that time, drug was called Rituximab 
and what it does is it entirely flushes the system so you got your T cells and your B cells so this particular drug attacked my B cells which were causing the problems but at the same time you do need your B cells so it ended up giving me pneumonia at the age of nine which is fun not so I was in I was in hospital with pneumonia on my ninth birthday and my birthday is the 5th of February and I came out of hospital on the 6th of February 2010 yeah um so that was that was in pneumonia and everything calmed down for a couple of years and at the age of 12 so I was in year 8 at the time year 7 year 7 my bad year 7 at the time yeah it could be yeah it could be both yeah, it's December. Yeah, the Right, so it was it was year eight. It was December, um, the beginning of year eight. Um, I had an another autoimmune disease, which is what they're known as, called linear IgA. I do not know what that means. I apologise, but I actually have no idea. But <laughs> it's similar concept: the immune system attacking, but rather than attacking my platelets, it attacked my skin. So I had um, lots of blisters all over my body, mainly on my back and under my arms, and it wasn't very was that nice. Hmm. No, but it was very, very, very painful. Um, How long did that last for? So that lasted a couple of months. Was it a couple of months? Uh, a couple of months? How did you deal with the pain at that point? Just oh no, you, you can't deal with that kind of pain. Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, it doesn't, mm. doesn't happen. Um, so I ended up in hospital for. I ended mm. up, so it started, um, and then I went into hospital for two weeks. And on the sixth of February, yet again, <laughs> day after my birthday, yet again, um, the uh, dermatologist. There we go. Dermatologist is is for your skin. Um, he came round on the sixth of Feb. It uh, was a Wednesday. Um, Oh, I've kind of missed something out, but I'll say it in a second. Um, I was on Wednesday, he gave me some creams, and he gave me some steroids, prednisolone. Now, it got rid of the illness, but what it also does is increases your appetite about a hundredfold, which, considering the appetite I already had, was slightly destructive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so at the... Yeah, so because of the half a heart problem, um, my body wasn't get, getting enough oxygen as a kid, so part of my brain shut down. So I've got developmental amnesia, which is loosely translated to short-term memory loss, which is funny because I've got lots of facts in my head that I can't remember. But hey, so, so I mean, I'd go into school every now and then, um, and I don't know if I've forgotten the lessons that they've told me. So I don't know if I've forgotten to do the homework, actually got it in the first place because I didn't know if I was there or not. Or mm-hmm. or just decided, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. So you just didn't know if it was real or not? Yeah, I had no idea what was flying. How do you That's go quite through bad. life, like, not knowing what's real or not? How do you go through life? Okay, it's very difficult, actually. Um... Yeah, so this, the, the memory problem is probably the worst thing I've, I've got or had mm. or been through because I'm still going through it. Um, so I'm not actually entirely sure. Yeah, I have no idea because 
like I read a lot of fantasy books and whatnot, and because of my memory, I've not I'm not really quite sure what's real or what's not. So I came up with a with a with a depressing strategy, and if it was happy and good, it's probably fake, which isn't a very nice way to live life. Yeah, if it's sad and depressing and quite painful, it's probably actually happened. So yeah, not not the nicest. Uh, not the nicest way to figure it out, but I guess it, it kind of works. So yeah, so I've so the, the problem is because of the developmental amnesia. So I kind of forget all the the good times, so to speak, and because of the way pain works, it doesn't really. It's not really a, what's it called? Um, it's not really. It's not really a memory thing. It's just more of a pain thing. So, like, the developmental amnesia, so experiences are memory, but the pain's kind of different, kind of bypasses the short-term memory side of it. So, I don't really... So, like, if somebody mm. says, oh, focus on the positive, but I can't mm. really remember the positive, so it's quite difficult to do that. So I tend to be in a uh, state of depression most of the time. But on the flip side, um, I can just forget that I've been depressed. So from one minute to the next, I can just flip to happiness, but my go-to state is usually depression. But, yeah, not a good thing. But, yeah. Um, so where are we now? I'm 12? Uh, that was, I think so. Mm-hmm. No, that yeah, was I think you did the 12. You mentioned you said you were 8. Yeah. And then, yeah. then you, you were feeling pain the whole time. Yeah. And then you were depressed. And then. Hold a second, hold a second. So, at, so at the time, at the age of 12... Um, um, they all got cleared up in a couple of weeks came off the bread list and then after a month or two um, and then for like the year of my bar mitzvah so year 8 I guess um, year 8 beginning of year no year 8 I guess it's beginning of year so nine. this would be the end of year 8 yeah Okay. Um, so th- that year was so when I was 13 that year was fine I was getting lots of money lots of um, Sfarim, that was fantastic. Um, yeah, so that was fun. At the age of 14, so beginning of year nine-ish. Um, thank you. <laughs> beginning of year nine-ish, I had something called PTLD, which stands for Post Traumatic. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Hold a second. That's PTSD, my bad. <laughs> PTLD is Post Transplant Lymph Node Proliferative Disorder. I know there's technically five words in there, but it's a four letter four letter anagram. But um so to simplify it, it's basically cancer. Um so yeah, at the age of fourteen I had a form of cancer. Um I mean, I know you guys can see the scar on my neck, but I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if you can get. I don't know. I don't know if you can or not, but unlikely to. Mm. Unlikely to. Okay, fair enough. Um, I had, I had basically had a lump in my neck, and they went in there for it with a biopsy to see if it was malignant or not, if it was spreading or if it was just chilling. And as it turned out, it was uh, benign, which means mm. it was. Well, technically, this is after a bit of radiotherapy. They expected the radiotherapy to get rid of it altogether, but it was still just chilling there. It started on this side, disappeared and popped up on 
So yeah. one side to another will be nice. Yeah, so it started on my left side of my neck and disappeared and popped off onto the right side of my neck. A bit bigger. It's like <coughs> the size of a golf ball just growing out my neck because that's how we roll. <laughs> um, so I had some radiotherapy um, and then I used this rituximab again as a bit more of a chemo and it reduced the lump but it didn't go away completely so they started panicking. They did mm. a biopsy, found out it was benign which means it wasn't spreading and they cut me open and pulled it out as a whole which luckily I was asleep for but not mm. a pleasant experience um, so I was the age of 14 slightly mm. suicidal for like a month or so yeah, not was this fun. after? this was after mm. actually this was after <coughs> after the cancer well in my head mm. I was like oh well, at least it's not cancer but then I got cancer so you can't really say that to yourself anymore can you? so what happened during that that month? Not a lot of uh, happiness, really. Mm. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of a lot of anger and depression, and yeah, that's when I stopped being religious. And I'm still not 100% religious right now, but whatever. Not going to go into that. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no. In so, uh, mm. to go to school, did you just like at home, or how, how did everything go? So I did, I did, I did go to school. I mean, for the first week or so. Um, I threatened to kill myself and I walked into my room so that that didn't happen but then hunger got the better than me and I, I came downstairs but well, you didn't eat for a week no no I I, I, uh, I didn't eat for a day but then by day two the hunger got the better of me okay. but that's the way you told your parents if they came to him you could have something yeah how did, how did they take that uh, well they didn't come in <laughs> is what they did um, I'm saying did they not like call the ambulance or I don't know anyone I mean what, what I mean I don't know what they did. I don't know why they did what they did, but I'm glad they did because it gave me some time to think for myself. Um, but yeah, no, I mean in in the end, in the end, and what's also helping me now is is the fact that if I do want to kill myself, I can always do it later. So you just got to take one day at a time. Mm. I know it's a very morbid thought to have, but it works. I mean, yeah, it's baby steps, really. Yeah, so that's good. exactly. It's not some people here's some things that you shouldn't really think too big. Yeah, exactly. We're like, off topic, but are you glad to still be alive today? Truth be told, <laughs> not entirely sure. Um, although I'm happy to be here, uh, and it's very nice to see you guys. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, day to day life is a bit, a bit miserable. But it's not like it's a. I don't know, it's not like, it's not like, oh, oh, I should commit to it, I don't, I don't really, it's when things get bad, it's, it's kind of on the back of my mind, and then every now and then it'll get, it'll get full thought, why didn't I do that, and you just think, because you're hopeful, you stupid moron, and that's, that's how you get through, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I've got, I've got a lot of, of hope that I have no reason to have, and no proof to have, but yeah. I don't know, for some reason I, I, I believe that things can and will get better. If my parents' positive, well, my mum's positivity is rubbing off on me, which is a scary thought in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but, not go on. as a therapist, I mean, mm. but you do, is, it not getting, is it not getting better? I mean, it is. I haven't thought about it. I mean, I haven't thought about it for a while and don't feel bad for making me talk about it because it's, really it's not really a thing at the moment. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just... I don't really deal very well with like transition so like going from school to yeshiva I was difficult um, 
because of my memory, I need to have a, like a structure in place. But I don't actually like having structure in place, which is a bit of a problem. Um, yeah, so I need to build that structure. So the first couple of days, weeks, months, whatever, um, I'll get lost going places. But once I'm in that in that structure, um, I'll do it without thinking, which is exactly where I need to be. Because otherwise, if I think, I'll just forget, kind of thing. So yeah. Um, so how old are we now? We are forty fifteen. I mean, we're twenty one now, but I'm just saying yeah. the story. We're fifteen. Um, everything's chilling. Um, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, which in and of itself is is a shock to the world, or to my parents at least. Um, and it was six o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah. And I went for a walk uh, Friday morning. And we just got back from Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital um, about a week or two before. <coughs> and we went in to have a checkup. And my parents were thinking, well, what's the point? He's just gone back from Great Ormond Street. And we went in, saw our hematology and oncology, or saw my hematology and oncology um, specialist. He took my blood and he goes, You're not going anywhere. I was like, What's wrong? He goes, You've got hemolytic anemia. So that is when the body, rather than attacking the white blood cells, attacks the red blood cells. So your haemoglobin, um, well my haemoglobin dropped to six. Most people's haemoglobins are between 12 and 15. And yeah. So that means in real terms? In real terms, your, your energy levels should just should, should just drop. So, I mean, I know somebody who, who had her haemoglobins dropped to six and she couldn't get out of bed. And that morning, the morning of the, of the appointment, I was up at six in the morning going for a walk on a winter's day. <laughs> so yeah, I shouldn't have really been able to function at, at that level of, of hemoglobin, but I did. Um, so I ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks with that. And they changed my medication, my anti-rejection drugs from tacrolimus, which is one of them, to MMF, phenylate and serolimus. So at the age of 15, I changed my medications. Um, yeah, and then the age of 16, um, I had kidney failure, because that's how we roll. <laughs> um, so my kidneys, I mean, even currently, they're working at like 60, 70%, but I mean, they did drop to like 40-ish. And my legs swelled like a like an elephant, and uh, yeah, so my kidneys weren't mm. processing the fluids properly. So yeah, I was just like, really ill. So they changed my medication back. Sorry, my bad. They changed my medication back, and they um, gave me s what did they do actually? They just did they just changed my medication. I think they just changed my medication, possibly. Yeah, so I mean, I've still got slight kidney failure, but it's not as bad as it was. So I just need to keep an eye on them, just like mm. keep my eye on my heart and all the other stuff I've been through. So what does that mean on a day-to-day -day basis? Does what, kidney failure, you? I mean. So I need to drink loads and loads and loads of water, even though I don't like to. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I need to stay hydrated. Um, I need to kind of stay out of the sun. I mean, that's normal for a heart transplant kid anyway, but uh, for a transplant kid anyway. 
Um, so I didn't yeah, I need to stay out in the sun. So what do you do in the summer? Just stay home a lot? No. I go out. I, I'm not really. Uh, I got. It's not like I do anything less in the summer than I do in the winter. I just don't do anything at all, in general. Um, but I just need to drink a lot more. That's all. Um, but other than that, yeah. And and that and then and then I got. So that was what sixteen was saying. Age of 19, 20, 19. So you were in Yeshiva at that point, 19? I was in Yeshiva at 19? No, no, I was in Yeshiva from 16 to 18. Oh, that's really young. Well, at least in my eyes it is. So it, is left- it is very long, but it was one of those Yeshivas that kind of... There was that, that age gap. I mean, I had people in my Yeshiva were 14 at the time. I mean, it's not... Oh. Like, yeah. So at 19, what happened? Um, was it 19 or was it... 20 21 I can't remember now um but basically um after the kidney yeah here you go so I was in Yeshiva it's a bit more about the kidney failure I was in Yeshiva and I had a friend from Kam Simcha so you all know that what that is Kam Simcha yeah. yeah um so he was a buddy of mine and uh, he was also a nurse um he got married and I hadn't seen him in a while so he called me up and he's like do you wanna chill <laughs> I was like nice so I went around to his house, wife made a fantastic food. Um, um, actually knew them separately before, first before they knew each other, but whatever. They both came to visit me in hospital while I was in over the years, very nice people. Um, but um, he was a, he's a nurse, um, so he realized, I mean, he asked me, he's like, you're gonna come over? I was like, can you come pick me up? Cause I couldn't walk cause my legs were swollen like, mad um so he came to pick me up and and kind of dragged myself and stuck it into his car in pain and he's like you're right i was like i'm just in a bit of pain i'm fine i got into his uh flat and he's like you're clearly not all right i was like no i'm fine i'm fine so whatever we called up my parents and um they were in israel at the time because they thought oh he's in the shiva they can look after him and he's fine right now but I didn't really want them there, so I decided to uh, make up this entire illness just to get them back. Now, um, <laughs> now that was God's plan, not mine. Um, so I sat. So yeah, I sat down, had some food, and then he took me to A and E. Um, and then I was in in hospital for a couple of weeks, and he, uh, one of the guys in Yeshiva, uh, stayed with me over over Shabbos and whatnot. Very nice guy. Um, but you know who you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that happened. That was like a week or two, um, which made me change my drugs back from serolimus to tacrolimus. Um, and then and then months ago, a year ago, I can't remember now. Um, I got something called gout, which is also known as a rich man's disease. You, most people get it from eating too much red meat, um, but because of me, that's how we roll. So I, uh, so I got gout. So my, my medication changed again. So yeah, when I when I got the gout, I thought it was kidney failure again. So when they told me it was gout, my first reaction was, "Oh, Baruch Hashem, I'm fine, so to speak," which is a bit of a weird reaction to be honest. But I guess it's all. Uh, what's it called? It's all um, 
in proportion to what, what had happened before. Perspective, <laughs> perspective, that's the word we're looking for. Um, so yeah, so now, yeah, so now I'm kind of dealing with gout, but kidney failure. I mean, the memory, the memory thing at the moment is the worst problem. Um, developmental amnesia. So it messes with my um, episodic and contextual memory. So I remember something, but I won't remember the context of which which it was told or I read it or whatever. So I don't know the context. Um, and then episodic wise, I remember something happening, but I won't remember the order. So for example, um, I've already had supper tonight. <laughs> And then I've come here, but give it a week or so, and I might not know if I've Which ate one first came or first. came here first. How does that work? So if you were to read non-fiction and fiction, then you wouldn't know which one was fiction, which one wasn't. No, no, no. no is that is that no? So, so I, I wouldn't know which one I've read first, for example. Oh, you don't remember the order? Not. I the, don't remember the order, right? And. So, so that's the episodic and the contextual is I wouldn't remember where so I remember words but I wouldn't remember where I read them in so I'm reading a book series right now called Scott Dunbar Pleasant um, and I've read it before I've read it a couple of times before but because of my memory um, like I, I know what's going to happen but I'm a bit hazy on the details even though I've read it four or five times before but I'm hazy on the details because of my Episodic, and so I, rem- I remember. I know what's going to happen. She don't know when it's going to happen in the book. But yeah, so that, that's the, the episodic. And the so have we caught us all up to date to now? Have Have I caught you all up to date to now? I mean, right now. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, other than the random chest infection that everyone gets. Yeah, I mean, I see the thing is right. You would think that all all the rubbish that I get, you you it would exempt me from regular illnesses, but it doesn't. <laughs> Just a bit annoying. But yeah, you know, with the with the humulitic anemia, not the humulitic, my bad. With the linear IgA with the blisters, when I first got it, we thought it was chickenpox. Then it got a lot worse, so we thought it was chickenpox gone wrong. Um, and then we found out what it was and started panicking. But yeah, so I spent I spent two birthdays in hospital, one night to my top. And yeah, I kind of just kind of just live in dread. I mean, my, my main my main fear is that if I get comfortable into like a position and get into a routine, I'm just going to get ill again, and it's just going to mess it up. So I don't really like commission to anything because of my memory. I don't see a point. Well, I'll try and learn something, but I'll just forget it. So I don't. I like I, I can actually learn stuff apparently, <laughs> but um, I just don't see a point in trying. So I just end up forgetting it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. How's your relationship been with the loved ones, family, friends through all this period? Right. So the relationship-wise, I mean, I guess it's kind of normal. Um, I mean, I've been scaring the crap out of everybody <laughs> most of the time. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, in general. The relationships are fine, but like when I when I get back from hospital um, for about a week, everyone's a lot more weary around me, just in case. Um, everyone starts panicking. Um, 
but you know, as a as a rule, it, it's kind of normal. I mean, I do have I do have friends, but like because of everything I've been through, the memory problem itself, I've not really been to university. I had to be in Manchester in, in uh, had to be in Yeshiva in Manchester um, because of all the medical stuff. So yeah, so it's it's kind of put barriers up. Um, but I mean, in general. Yeah, I just know my main thing is 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 to fear that, uh, to fear that stuff will come back, and to fear that everything I've already had will hit me at mm. once, <laughs> or I'll get something completely new that will just completely wipe wipe the floor with me. These are my main fears, but you know, at the moment I'm just trying to get through life, but I can't. I'm now it's very difficult. <laughs> um, but now my, my parents' philosophy is, well, you're not going through anything now, so just kind of get on with it, which is fair enough. But because I live in that that kind of fear, it's not. It's very difficult. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. The relationship wise, when your parents tell you something, it's it's completely different from a normal, from an average person. Well, no, absolutely, because like my parents, my parents are trying to raise me up like a, a, a normal kid, I guess. So like, I I, I can I'll be able to do stuff or, or so like there'll be certain stuff um there'll be certain stuff that I just can't do so you know when uh, Jewish grandma go to Wadika yeah yeah and they go to where's that place in the mud place where everyone's just what's it called you didn't go to any mud place Duke of Edinburgh not Duke of Edinburgh so I couldn't go on Duke mm-hmm. of Edinburgh because of our pills Right, and at the time I was going through kidney failure, so that was the time in Sheba. But in school, it was because of my pills um, and various stuff, um, whatever. So I could, I mean, I did go to Wadika in years eight, but I had to take my pills then. And so, like planning for trips and whatnot, it's just an extra thought. You, know, you got to take your pills. You got, so you got to pack. It's just, it's just added, add some stress. Um, so yeah, it's just less. I'm just less likely to to just be like, let's go somewhere because I can't really. <laughs> I need to plan ahead and to make sure I've got all my medication. And it's just a bit a bit stressful. Um, but you know, in general, in general, I kind of live a normal life. But I'm also kind of need to make sure that I. Yeah. So do you have, do you ever wish you like live a normal like a. Like a normal, normal average life. I mean, all the time, all the time, all the time. I, I do. I, I mean, I, you haven't asked me this yet, but I do get the question: um, if if I could just have a normal life now, would I take it? With mm. my, and I, I, I know I wouldn't because um, I've already had the past experiences. If if I could get a do-over and be like, okay, you're just gonna have a normal life, then absolutely I would take it. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't now. I wouldn't now. I wouldn't now take a normal life because I'm just not. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't murder anybody, but I'm just saying <laughs> I wouldn't now take a normal life because I'm just not. I, I, I'm just not used to it. I wouldn't know how to deal with it properly. Um, and yeah, so because of my developmental amnesia, I mean, it puts thoughts and images in my head that may or may not have happened. And as much as it's a problem, it's kind of also a blessing because I hadn't actually been. Being able to remember all the pain from that, I mean, the PTSD would have been off the, off the charts. Um, so yeah, 
I mean, I've got better PTSD now, but still, I mean, it would have been a, a hell of a lot worse. But yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to cope through life right now, and it's it's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult. But yeah. So with that story, did yeah. you remember that story as someone told you over what has happened? Because you said that it's short-term memory loss. Did you remember what happens long-term? Right, so, okay, fine. So that's a, good, that's a, <laughs> that's a very good question. So obviously, from, <laughs> from the age of, of birth to the age of five or six, you don't, you don't remember it. I, don't, I mean, I don't really remember anything. But once that, you get vague flashes and people tell it over, so it kind of connects the dots. Um, but I mean, that I do have one vivid memory that I do actually have. Like my, my, I've gone away on holiday with my parents, and I don't remember the holidays. But I do, I do have one vivid memory. So when I first had ITP um, in Pendlebury Hospital at the time, um, this was before it was knocked down. They all moved to the MRI in centre of Manchester. Um, it was the first time we got to the car park, Monster Shabbos, as I said, and Dad opened the door, and he's like, Mosh, get out, I got out, he goes, Mosh, give us a smile, you'll be fine. I gave him a smile, and my, my gums were running with blood, so it looked like I'd, I'd like to become a vampire and just bit somebody's neck. Um, yeah, so that, that kind of scared the crap out of Dad. <laughs> Um, but that, that I do I do remember the taste of the blood and the feel as it like ran down my teeth. But most of it, um, more snapshots than actual memories. Um, I do remember coming into school uh, year eight, um, just after having the the blisters and they hadn't fully gone away. I was on the medication but it hadn't gone, and somebody who hadn't seen me in like a month or so came to slap me on my back. I was wearing a hoodie at the time because I bless I couldn't wear proper clothes and it was very, very painful. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault at all because he he was just happy to see me, but it was antagonizing as hell. But yeah. Um Yeah, the the funnily enough the cancer, the 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 PTLD was the least painful thing I've I've had. I mean part I mean less painful than the radiotherapy they, they used to cure it but um, yeah so this PTRD is post transplant lymph node proliferative disorder so much short to remember last thing yeah. um, this PTRD um, it's incredibly rare for it to happen and if it does happen most cases out of one of the billion chances it does happen <laughs> most cases happen three or four years after the transplant this happened 11 years later. That's, that's yeah, they don't, they don't really do that. So with the with the blisters, the linear IGA, I used, I used a, this rituximab drug that I, that I used for the ITP. Um, I used it for this one, because it was also an autoimmune disease, and I got put in a medical journal. I didn't get named, I just got put in a medical journal, unnamed, which is pretty cool, but not something people aspire to. Um, unless, unless you're into that kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah. So the cancer was probably the, the least painful, but probably the most traumatic. And um, yeah, so at the age of fourteen, I had this cancer, and then that was the first time I started getting therapy at the age of fourteen. By then, it was far too late because I had buried my emotions, and I I didn't 
I didn't know didn't know what to do with therapy. So yeah, by then it was far, far, far too late. But yeah. I mean I'm still in the therapy now, but like I kinda deal with the with the day to day stuff nowadays and I don't really know how to I don't really know how to find the, the trauma of the past. But yeah. Now, there's various operations I've been through and some of them are some of them are local anesthetic. There was one there were two. One two biopsies that I had under local anaesthetic. One of them I was lying on my stomach and they did it in my, in my bone marrow in the back, the bone marrow in the back. And I didn't really feel anything and I was fine, but I was awake, which is kind of disconcerting. Um, and then, uh, yeah, here we go, come on brain. <laughs> uh, and then they did a biopsy on my, st on my stomach up to my chest and my stomach and I was waiting for that and I could see it and the the local anaesthetic didn't work properly so I could see just something just going in and out of my chest and that was nasty as hell well, did you feel it? kind of ever so slightly I mean had I actually been able to feel it fully I would have been screaming but yeah basically yeah and then um yeah, so every, after my heart transplant, every second year, I had something called an angiogram, where they feed a camera through one of your arteries to get to your heart to see how it is. So funnily enough, out of all of this, my heart's actually the one that, well, technically it's not my heart, but the heart is actually the healthiest. But it's just the rest of the body that's just damaged and decaying. And after, after all being through all of this, do you still feel emotions? That's a bit of a weird question, but... Do you still feel emotions? Yeah. I just process them, process them differently. So, like... So, yeah, I know. I, I just... So, inwardly, I, 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 process, I process them and I, I, I react to them the same. Outwardly, it's like... So, I had, had, had some... I had some... I have, I'm going through some breathing problems. I had some breathing. I had a chest infection that... We didn't know what it was, so we stopped panicking. So I ended up in A and E uh, a couple of weeks ago, and my uh, I looked at my dad. We were there for two and a half hours. I looked at my dad, and I was like, "What are the chances that I'll catch something here by the time they get to see us?" Dad looked at me, he's like, "Yeah, you're probably right." So we left without seeing a doctor. Um, it turned out it was just a chest infection. But, um, I mean, I still got the pain. I mean, I got bruising from, from the chest infection on my ribs now. So, like, the the pain is, it feels like you're being stabbed. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's been stabbed before. No. No, no I mean, I haven't not really. Yet. I mean, I haven't really been stabbed, but, like, all the needles and stuff, it's just not, not a nice feeling. So, like, when I'm in pain, like, I, I just... It was like it's the the, the, the go-to phrase is oh at least I'm not dead, which is technically positive, but the way I, the way I sound it, it's not very positive. But yeah, so I mean over all the years, I've had lots of I've had lots of operations and lots of problems, and they've all been very painful. But the le the most distasteful thing I've had is a blood transfusion, and it's just that's just nasty as hell. Um, so I assume you know what a blood transfusion is. Well, slightly, but right. So they put. A, I'll, I'll do. It for, I'll do it for you guys. <laughs> I'll explain it. But basically, what they do is is they find a vein. They put a cannula in. Do so you know what a cannula is? No. 
You don't know what kangaroo is. Eddie, explain what a cannula is to him. <laughs> um, a cannula is basically they have a noodle, no noodle, a needle with a with a plastic. Here we go. We got bruising from the last cannula. Um, they have um, a needle. You know what a needle is? No. Ah, it's fabulous. <laughs> a needle with a plastic tube on the end, with a hollow tube, um, and they put the hollow tube on the needle, and then they stab you. So they can put the hollow tube inside so they can draw blood or put drugs in, whatever they need to do. So um, so I've had a lot of a lot of transfusions over the years, but the blood transfusion was the worst um, because you could feel it entering your bloodstream and it wasn't technically your blood, so it wasn't very nice. Um, Did your body reject it? No, it didn't, but I could taste it on my tongue as it was going in. It was nasty as hell. I mean, the humanist anemia also left me like a burnt toast when when my body was attacking my red blood cells. It left like a burnt toast taste on my on my tongue. But this was so it's nasty. As, yeah, it was not nice. But yeah, no. So over over the years, I don't know if, don't know if you guys can see, but um, so this particular vein here is is well used because it's quite a solid vein. So I, I can I can pick out a vein that, that nurses and doctors are used for a cannula because I've helped them. And <laughs> I'm I'm used to it, but this particular vein is is more bumpy than yours because it's overused, and it's quite a good one. So yeah. Um. Cannula wise, the worst places to go, I guess, um, is the wrist. That's nasty as hell. Um, and then in the back of the hand, it's not very nice. So I mean, as a as a rule, you probably want to go for where it's fattest, so it hurts the least. But yeah, no. It's, I mean, I had a had a point. I mean, had a point in my life where I was I was in hospital every week, uh, pretty much every other day, and I was having cannulas. And I mean, I've been through all this crap, and it's not the worst feeling in the world, but it's one of the worst. Is when your veins collapse when they're trying to put your cannula in, or needles, whatever, trying to draw blood, and it's absolutely antagonising. So you put the cannula in when they find the vein, and they either use cold sprays so that the vein disappears. Um, into your into your arm because it's cold and doesn't come to the surface or they use cream now the problem with the cream is they put the cream on and then they put a, a plaster well yeah see-through plaster on in order to keep it in place so it doesn't like your shirt doesn't take it off um, so the problem with the cream is when they have to pull the plaster off it, it takes a lot of your hair with it and that's just nasty as hell um, the problem with the spray um, is it yes? It does numb the area, but because it's cold, your veins retract into your body, so then they just can't find it afterwards. <laughs> so, so I've I've had had a couple of times where they find a vein, put the spray on, and put the needle in, and the vein's no longer there because it's retracted. So, the spray lasts about two seconds, maybe three. Uh, they're in there, and they're just jiggling the needle around, trying to find that vein that they thought was there, and that is excruciating. Yeah, but I you can't really. I mean, I have swear, sworn at the nurses when they're not listening to me. I'll just take it out and try again. But no, 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 I found the vein. I'll do it. And that's that's when I tend to use swear words and threaten to murder people. But in general, in general, they tend to listen. But you know, it's it's just not very nice when your veins collapse and they're overused and they just like hiding. For all yeah. of this, I mean, uh, since you've been to all of this, yeah. Um, just in general, all this pain, how have you dealt with 
religion and faith? Uh, I believe God exists because I need something. I need. I need a higher being to to blame because it's not my fault. <laughs> um, it's not my parents' fault. And it's not the doctor's fault. <laughs> um, therefore, it's God's. But yeah, um, religion-wise, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I'm Jewish. I keep Shabbos for my parents, and because I mean, it's food and it's probably healthy not to be on your phone every day, all day. Um, uh, food's usually pretty good, <laughs> um, and it keeps the parents happy. Mm. Uh, and I'm kind of living with them. I mean, it doesn't sound like you too. I'm it's just. It and, and because it's, yeah, well, because I was growing up keeping Shabbos, it's not like. It's a, it's a habit, so it's not like, yeah. I mean, yeah. But everything else, not really. Everything else. I mean, I keep kosher because I mean, again, Jewish household is pretty it's real, uh, especially in Presswich. But like, I don't really put my twin on. I don't really daven. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's about hmm. about it, really. No, just um, about the actual emotional connection to God. Or oh, the emotional connection to God. Okay. I mean. I mean, not to uh, scare anybody, but God can you know, screw himself. If, if yeah, <laughs> quite frankly, but yeah. Now you do get those people. So what's your relationship with God? Anger. Oh, at least it's a relationship. That's people that deserve to die. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not admitting anything, by the way. This is not a. I'm not putting this on my grave, but I'm just saying <laughs> there are some people. But yeah. No, when people say they understand, and uh, yeah, no. Do people tell you they understand? Some people do. The stupid ones. <laughs> Some people mm. say they're sorry, and it's a nice thought, but I mean... It's not their fault, is it? Yeah, it's not really it's their not fault. It's not right. And they, they don't know what they're sorry for. Exactly. And they're yeah. not, they're not, they can't be sorry for it, because they didn't do anything. Exactly. But yeah. There's a lot of online things that people say, like, like for example... When people say to you, suicide is selfish. Yeah, so that's, that's a stupid comment. I mean, that's just going to push somebody to suicide. People said that. Just, that that's just, one of the biggest arguments why you shouldn't kill yourself. Yeah, selfish. yeah, that's selfish. Selfish for who? For the, for the, for the people what, around you. What do you think when you're suicidal and people tell you, you a suicide is selfish? How does that resonate? <sighs> do you want to do it more? Because it, it's not a. It's, so it's people who are, who people who just jump off a building and, and nobody had any idea, right? If people who just die like that, that's okay, fine. I mean, the guy was suicidal, but you didn't know. People who who say, "Oh, I'm suicidal. I want to kill myself." They're asking. They're asking for help. That's 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 a cry for help. And I've done it before, and I'll, I'll probably end up doing it. I mean, not in that particular way, but I, I I'll, I'll probably. I mean, nowadays I'll just kind of be like. I need help, <laughs> um, but the people who who say that that suicide is selfish. I mean, I don't I don't condone murder, but they, I mean they deserve to die. I mean they deserve to bleed and and, and, and just just die, <laughs> die quite frankly. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. I, I don't I don't want anybody to 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 get stabbed and just bleed out on a on a road. And, and get forgotten about but you kind of deserve it if you think suicide is selfish <laughs> but is that because they're doing they're just saying they're just thinking about your family they're not actually thinking about your own pain yeah it's a bit selfish for them to say that isn't it oh, absolutely but I, I just, if, if you're going to say that right 
Rather than saying, oh, suicide is selfish and just fuck off someplace else, mm-hmm. why don't you just talk to the person and just try and explain why it's not a good idea? Rather, Because what you're saying is, is, well, it's a selfish thing, but uh, I actually don't give a shit about you, which is exactly what the person does not need or want to hear. Do you know what I'd like? No, I, I wouldn't like this. But if someone says that to you, you could just torture them the same way you've been tortured, I suppose. See how they react. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, so it is very difficult. I don't know how many people could take that level of pain. I suppose. I, I guess mm. my, I, my thing, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but we need to deal with the level of pain. Also, there's a bit because you're just born with it. If we were let's say to get a level of pain, it'd be just out on that. We would never be able to deal with that. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So the the. The the worst the worst level of torture is not being in a routine. Cause if you're in a routine, the first couple of days of, of somebody slowly giving you shallow cuts, a thousand shallow cuts, right? If you do it over a year, I mean the first of all bleed out and die a bit bother, but they'll get used to it and, and, and their mind the it's the it's the um come on LA. It's doctor. What's another word for habit? Routine. There you go. Oh, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, you see, it's a memory thing. You see. <laughs> right. um, um, it's the root. It's the lack of routine that actually destroys a person. So yeah. So it's not worth you getting routine now. Or it's not worth me getting a routine it, now. No, I'm saying it's not. Is it? It's not worth. But is it not worth? You right. Now? That's a difference. Though. It is, it is, it is. Um, it, it is worth me getting a routine, um, but I don't know how to. Cause I mean, it's not I don't know how to, I can, but I'm just scared to. How can't it just be something simple? Like, you wake up at a one this time every day. You set an alarm right now for nine o'clock every single morning. That's your routine started. You not start course. something like extremely small like that. Right, yeah, I could do that, technically. And it would be 8 o'clock because I've got a job and I'm going to be in there for 10, but... <laughs> and wisely, in, in my personal perspective, you don't forget about bedtime because you get to, everyone, you get to sleep different times, different days. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, when you get up, just have a shower, just brush your teeth, or just something. Right, right, right. But yeah, so, that's more flexible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, so the, the routine thing kind of goes out the window when you're ill, um, as you expect it to. Yeah. But because I'm fearing an illness all the time, like, yes, I could, but w- would there be a point? I mean, this morning, uh, I got up at 6.30. Well, I was awake at 6.30. Um, then I went back to sleep, and then I got up at, like, 12.30. It's not, yeah. But, like, that doesn't usually happen. But because of the pain and whatnot, and, yeah. Pain, and then the fear, the fear, my, I mean, my, one of my fears is if, if something's going too good, something's going to go wrong that's what I believe whether it's true or not is an entirely different story but it's belief that it's I believe it because I believe that's what's happened in the past whether it's actually happened or not is an entirely different story because our memory makes me think that I remember something that may or may not Mm. have happened probably just trauma talking absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just there's a lot of there's a lot lot of crap but yeah I don't yeah I don't I don't know. If any, would you give any tip to someone who's dealing with suicidal thoughts? Um, would I 
give tips. If, if you were to walk, walk I mean, walk. obviously it depends on your situation. Um, but your, your your first port of call is um, yeah, port of call. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll make it make sense if it doesn't. Exactly. It's a new um, new phrase. Exactly. <laughs> so we roll. But the first port of call is is the likelihood you won't actually want to do it. Um, it's probably unlikely. And I, I know, I know, I know that that sounds like I'm being, I'm being. Um, no, there is. It's like a famous Chinese saying or something that um, if you want to die, then put yourself in the water and try to drown yourself without any weights or anything and you would come up automatically because you don't yeah. actually want to do it yeah I so mean, yeah so I mean the, yeah, the, the the first first thing is I mean if you're telling somebody you're going to commit suicide it means you don't actually want to really? yeah what do you want? I want to that's, talk that's to that's a cry for help that, that's, that's yeah, an automatic that, cry for help Maybe it's a crap help that can lead to suicide. Oh, no, absolutely, it can. Lead. If somebody if somebody doesn't step in, you yeah, you're gonna kill yourself. But okay, it is a crime for help. Being immediate, say, if, like, yeah. when I say that, I want to kill myself. That's not an immediate thing. I am going to but say if you've known mm-hmm. me for long enough, I probably will. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so I mean, the long enough can last. For, could, could be an hour. It could be days. It could be a minute. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, if you if you pass my heart, I'm just gonna go commit suicide. Is that possible? Step in there and then, then you will. But it is a cry for help. What sort of things are you, do you want to hear in that situation where you just, you're just so low that you just you don't know where to go? So this is the only route you want to take. What it depends on the person. Say? It depends on the person. So for me, after the cancer, I was like, well, I mean, what's the point? No, it, they say they say childhood's your best years, and I'm 14. I've already had cancer, and everything's gone to shit. So I'm out, kind of thing. So I mean, I didn't actually get the reassurance at the time. It was more of a, a thought that came in my head. I'm not going to say the thought because it's a bit weird, a bit dodgy. But I'm not, not going to go into that. Um, but um, for most people, I mean, they they need the the reassurance that things can and will get better. Now. Being a cynic as I am, I know that somebody says that to me, that's bullshit because they can't pr- they they can't do that. But um, I'm sorry for the swear words, but I'm getting very emotional. It's but, fine. Uh, it portrays what you're saying. Um, so. Exactly. There you go. So we allow it. There you go. English lessons <laughs> at the <laughs> forefront. Um, Trying to look smarter for no, the. Year. Get better because that's just I don't know that. I'm yeah, like, you don't. I'm not lying to you. Well, I know it might, so, make, it might be better short term, but long term. Yeah. So if 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 somebody's like, oh, I'm I'm really really suicidal. So I mean, some people just need a good slap. <laughs> um, some people just need a hug. Um, some. It depends on the person. Depends on the person. Thinking about how just some people just need a hug and then they're, and it's not like they're okay, but then it changes everything. It changes yeah. everything, but yeah. So there you go. So it's not just a hug. It's not so much. It's a human. Con- no, 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 I'm not. No. I mean, it is that, but so I, I, I've been through this a couple of times, and it's and somebody will give me a hug or whatever, and then they will walk away. You need to keep up that those hugs, so to speak. 
you, you, you can't just you can't just be a one-off because mm. then either either it'll be end up in a situation where the person whoever whoever needed a hug is too scared to initiate it so they'll just say oh I just want to commit suicide just a um, short term situation then, just a single hug you need to you're saying that needs to be a short term situation when it comes to suicide there's just no such mm. thing um yeah, no, you just need to you, you just need to keep them out of their own thoughts. You keep them busy. Um yeah, just yeah, make make sure that they don't spend too much time alone because otherwise they're gone. Either mentally or or actually they've already done it, but yeah, you just need to you need to stand by them. But yeah. Nah, it's it's uh, I, I don't really I mean <laughs> That's my personal experience. Some people, some people will be like, "But well, I don't want that." And if you handle it correctly, then you can actually stay by his side, even though he said that, and still kind of respect him. That's really fucking difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I mean, most people can't really do that, and and it can also lead to him committing suicide because you're not respecting his wishes, and it's just a problem. But at the same time, you shouldn't really be pe- leaving people alone. So how, how do you think, like, when you, when you, that week, when you told your parents that they came into your room, you had to commit suicide, what, but that's your parents leaving you alone. Do you know what I mean? That's what I needed. I, do you think so? Yeah. I'm <laughs> saying, but you said that when people are suicidal, leaving them alone to their own thoughts can be the worst recipe. It can be. So, you know what I mean? You, you 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 need to you need to understand the person you're you're dealing with. So for me, um, because of all the stuff I went through, yeah. I mean I only started therapy after I was fourteen, and I just needed time to process everything, and I didn't have time. And my parents knew that because whatever. So they gave me the time I needed, and it turned out to be right. And I was having some having some thoughts. By the way, right. So going into the religion thing, right? Um, when when you when you want to commit suicide, um, the Itzhar and the Itzhar Tov are against you. Right. So I mean, the Itzhar technically isn't because killing yourself is the worst thing you can do. Uh, obviously, it's how time is against you because he doesn't, doesn't want, want you to, die. to do it. But basically, it's the good angel and the bad angel. Is that, is that how we're doing it? I say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you watching this for lately? No. Okay. Um, but yeah. So if if you can if you can manipulate your thoughts correctly, um, you can get you can get your entire being to be against the suicide. So, one of the, one of the ways I too I was had a certain thought about certain somebody. I'm not going to go into who because whatever. But um, so they changed my mind, and the other thought was, if I die, I mean the Eternal was already against me that just because I was thinking about dying, which is fairly obvious. But what was pushing me was the Itzahara, right? Now. Now the the it's a the it's a horror is is 
uh, everyone, everyone talks about how he's, he's, he's very powerful. He's, he's manipulative is what he is. <laughs> um, but what you've got to tell yourself is that two things. One, right, if you do die, you can't do any more Averas, <laughs> which therefore is her, it's a horror has has lost its power of you. And then the obvious response is, well, death, suicide is the worst of error, so why does it matter? But then you say, but then you can just commit suicide later. But if you push it off enough, it just won't happen. But as long as you, you're in your mind, you're just thinking, well, I could just do it later. I could do it later. Yeah, but it, I mean, in so general... So you can do it one step just like push it off. And yeah, I mean, time. it could be that the Yates was very much in, in, in it's just my experience was, it's the first time actually, well, the first and the last time I actually realised that my Yates are against Tim were actually there. It was when I had two opposing forces in agreement against me committing suicide. But yeah, yeah that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the scared of yourself. I'm terrified all the time. Terrified that I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt myself, kill myself, or I'm something's happening inside my body that I just don't know about yet. Yeah, no, I'm always, always scared. It's pretty a state of constant terror. That you just hide behind jokes and a smile. And in everybody, everybody who's met me, I mean, until, until I start opening up, it's like, oh, you're really positive. You know, I'm really not. I'm very not very, very not very not positive, but yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I mean for me, the house that I grew up with is is you joke your emotions up, you you joke them away because otherwise yeah. you're not. Yeah, you laugh them off and you you keep going. That's how you deal. Yeah. But yeah, you, you eat through your emotions, you laugh them off, and uh, that's about it really. <laughs> eat eat eating comedy. That's it. Do you watch a lot of comedy? No. You don't? No. I do watch a bit, I do watch a bit, but but most comedy is about reality and I do not like reality. So I watch I watch superheroes and I watch like vampires and stuff because they don't exist. I I I so my my dad my dad doesn't like it because he's like, Oh you can't start living in the here and now But that's the precise reason why I watch it because I don't want to live in the here and now. I mean, I do. I don't know if I want to live or not, but <laughs> I don't want to live in the here and now because the reality is terrifying. And you know the the horror films and whatnot that everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't be watching. All the crap I've been through, the horror films ain't got half on that. <laughs> you know, so like, I don't like jump scares per se, but like horror films in themselves, yeah. ain't got ain't got nothing. And you know when mm. you're in horror films when uh, when like the evil doctors replacing organs and stuff, stealing organs. And stuff, I mean, I don't actually watch stuff. I don't watch many. Yeah, fair enough. I'd be like, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> I feel like experience. that's. I feel like that's the uh, the um, story of every Spider-Man movie. Some bad doctors killing the world. Nah, no, created just, a virus. That's just Doctor Octavius okay. being corrupted by some metal arms. <laughs> Funnily enough, but yeah, let's see. Have you watched Great Strategy? No. Right. So have you? No. It's it's a show about doctors, and the reason why I like it is because it resonates with me. Because it's like, it's like, well, I'm 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 usually the patient, but 
nasty to see out the doctors feed and react and whatnot. Is it real, real life? No, I don't, don't think it is. <laughs> I think they're all actors. But uh, um, yeah, so my sister-in-law was watching it, and we were just talking about it. I, I was just explaining a couple of things to her due to experience and whatnot. So you know. Just another it. question on. Go on. Um, You're very interested in this, aren't you? <laughs> Ellie, don't get any ideas, please. I'm not I'm not here to condone the thing. I'm trying. Well, I'm here to condone it. I'm not here to. Uh, what's it called? No, his condone is, is to approve, isn't it? It's yeah, that's... Yeah, you're not here right. to condone I'm not here it. to condone Unless it. you want the whole... Well, well, no, it's not. Condone is to agree. It's to allow. It's to agree. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here to condone <laughs> the bloody thing, can So go on. I'm pretty sure. Well, is there another question? But yeah, I'm pretty sure we're right. When you were... When you were, when you were thinking about it... Yeah, go on. 40. 40, so no, the mic is alright, it's just, it's very, it's just... It's going to be a bit noise, just do that. There we go. No, it's just annoying me. I didn't need to do that, but I, yeah, go on. <laughs> it's yeah, totally when fine. Like, when you were 14, or when you were thinking, 14 or 15, when you were thinking yeah. more seriously, what was it? No, because I look at the education system now, and they don't really talk about it. Well, just the neighbourhoods, we don't talk about it. It's like a banned subject. How did that affect you when you were just no relation to it outside your bedroom? Like, no one would talk about it. Or maybe that wasn't the case for me. I don't... I, it wasn't really a... It doesn't really work like that. <laughs> I'm taught... I mean... People who... People who need to talk about it are the ones that... That, that say, oh, I'm gonna... But people who... We're just thinking about it in their heads. That they don't want to talk about it. They just want to make sure it doesn't happen to them. Unless, of course, they just end up doing it and then fine, whatever, but, yeah. But uh, in general, um, yeah, and the people, as people talk about it, it doesn't, doesn't really work, because you get judged, like, even therapists, they, 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 they judge you, because as a, as a therapist, if you believe that your patient is suicidal, you've got to report it, and as a suicidal, you don't want get the police that you just want to get sorted if you if you're at the stage where you've gone to a therapist to get yourself so you want it you don't want the authorities involved you just want to you just want to know that that there is a way out and so it's not really talking about talking about it kind of does help but it's not yeah they all these support groups and whatnot i mean i'm sure they there's i mean sometimes knowing that other people feel the same way getting together and talk, then fine now, it's a very nice idea and it works for some people but Nah, <laughs> it just doesn't. No, I mean I had a, I, as a, I mean a couple of years ago, I had a, a foolish, a foolish and ignorant thought that if I was the only one with all the problems and the illnesses, um, I could deal with it. But I mean, people around me found out, and I was like, well, I'm clearly not, and that kind of uh, stoked the anger towards God. So just, uh, I think it might be a point to add to finish off with the last question unless you want to ask anything else, right? No. Uh, this is a question we ask most people. Come on. Like in the podcast, I'm sure you listen to all of them, do research. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, I listen to all of them. I apologise, I haven't actually listened to anything. Oi, don't tell me. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is pretty amazing to be fair. Uh, they're very, they're very mature. 
Why? Which is mad. You're not very mature. It's absolutely madness. Why? Why aren't you a better person? Why aren't I? It's a very good question. I have no idea. <laughs> no, um, I actually have no idea. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by why am I not a better person? Well, how do you interpret the question? How can you become a better person, maybe? No, that's not what you ask. That's okay, not what you ask. But if you want to ask that, how do I become a better person? Um, um, being more positive, being more active with people. Um, I'm understanding that that okay, fine. I've had all these problems and these thoughts and these issues and okay, but you gotta push past that. It's very difficult to do, but you gotta push past it. Accept what it is, learn from your experiences, and build yourself up on it. That's how you deal with it, but that wasn't your question at first. What was your question at first? I'm just thinking if we should cut off now, they're really first to point out. We should <laughs> <laughs> the, the original question the original question was, why aren't you a better person? So Why aren't I? Like, you you're the person today, but why aren't you better in any way? Why aren't I? Um so one of the reasons, um, I don't believe I can be, which is Tough is why I was suicidal, why sometimes I've thought flipped across the line because um, trial and punishment, there we go, here's an interesting thought. Trial and punishment, as a kid, right, the law systems, right, you do a crime and you get punished, right? Mm-hmm. You, you do something wrong religiously, you do something wrong, you go to Gehenna, you go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. You do the right thing and you, you go to Gennadon, right? You heaven. go to heaven, yeah. it's fantastic. Right? I was born, I was born punished, so to speak. I didn't do anything wrong. Not that I'm aware of. And then you're gonna say, oh yeah, it's, it's all about Gil Gooden, right? Resurrections and whatever, whatever you wanna call it. But to punish, to punish a physical body for a past soul's transgression it's a bit iffy, quite frankly. And then I know, I know what the religious people say. Yeah, but it's it's just it's just your guff. It doesn't matter. But it does because you're living in it, and it's not. Exactly. Yeah, it's the pain's still really bloody real. If 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 somebody said right, oh by the way, um, you 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 the reason why you like this is because your past girl did something wrong. I snap his neck straight. No problem. I, it's not. You can't say that. One of the things you can't say, like saying suicide is selfish. Yeah, you can't say things like that. You just not. You're not. I don't know. Maybe make a list and uh, post it on YouTube of just things that you shouldn't say. No, I'm not very good at that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm very good at talking about. Yeah, I'm okay at talking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's a good point? Yeah, I think it's a great yeah, point. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Very welcome. And if you need me again, I'm uh, happy to do it. Though why you would, I don't know. But there's ne- see, there's a negativity coming through. I'm very good at that. <laughs> I'm very good at being bad or negative anyway. It certainly is very good. Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm learning it now. Yeah, go yeah. for it.